0: Like a bad house guest, COVID just keeps coming back. Our eighth wave of infections is happening in Australia right now. What will this mean for your holiday plans? We'll get the latest medical advice up next. Weeknights at six, RN brings you unique insights into how the world works. Health, money, tech and religion. Discussing everything from the law with a
1: law report. It's been a central value of the High Court for a very long time.
0: To your health with the health report. And often your doctor will tell you it's hard to treat and the forces that shape the world we live in. We discuss it all in ways no one else can. Join us weeknights at six, right here on RN. Or anytime on the ABC Listen app. We are seeing another wave of COVID infections, our eighth, with Queensland and South Australia identified as the early epicentres. Nationally, there are about a thousand cases a week on average. Western Australia has reintroduced mandatory masking in certain medical settings, but Queensland's chief health officer says mandatory masking would be disproportionate in that state. All this might be making you wonder whether to rejig your summer holiday plans, depending especially where you live. So what do we need to know and are there ways to keep ourselves safer through the Christmas parties and family dinners and work drinks? Professor Brendan Crabb is the Director and CEO of the Burnett Institute. Brendan, great to have you back on the program.
1: Thanks, Hilary. Great to be here.
0: Not excited about the necessity of speaking with you on this topic, I have to say, (laughs) but very glad to have your expertise present. Now, I mean, time was there used to be big long queues at PCR test centres, and that gave us an indication of case numbers. How do we know there's a wave occurring now?
1: Yes, well, you're right about bad house guests. And I think uh, when people hear me on the radio, then they go, oh, no, um, not him again, and and we must be facing it. You know, you mentioned a 1,000 cases a week sort of thing. Of course, we don't know at all now because we're not testing. If we are testing, we're not reporting. And what is reported isn't reported daily. So, you know, there's there's a delay. the The bottom line is we have a wave now off a pretty high base that is very much like the other two, three or four waves we've had recently. And what that means is that you know, pretty much every family in Australia will face COVID in the next few months. Um, probably now, something in the order of oh, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000 people have COVID by analogy with pre- previous waves, and two, three, four, or five million people will get it in in the next few months if we don't do something about it. So, uh, it is very prevalent. I, to to your point about should we change holiday plans, definitely not change holiday plans, but there are some things you can do about it. You know, I think we're stuck in this um, time warp with COVID with an old strategy and, and an old way of doing things that makes us think, you know, we're... We've either got restrictions or or freedom. It's not like that. We can well, we can deal with COVID.
0: I want to get into that in a moment, Brendan, but just to stick with the, the testing for a moment, how reliable are your rapid antigen tests? Because when we look at the way we used to do things, we'd say, okay, I'm having some symptoms. I'll go home and do a test. I'll try and protect people, stay home from work if I need to. Can you trust those tests now with the latest var- uh, variants that are around?
1: Yeah, the, the rapid antigen tests are based on detecting a protein inside the virus, not on the surface of the virus. And that's a very stable protein. It doesn't mutate like the surface protein. So the tests still work. I mean, what I would recommend is that people swab their throat and their nose, not just their nose or not just their throat. Um, that seems to be making quite a bit of difference to to rat test positivity. But the, the tests do still work. and uh, And I think they're a very important part of you know, only the few things that, that you could do. I'd like to see testing at least for, you know, if if not for public reporting, for personal use because you can have those, those Christmas parties and those functions safe um, if people test beforehand as, as one of the crucial things, not the only thing, but one of the crucial things you can do.
0: Queensland's Chief Health Officer, Dr John Gerard, said that, of course, the pandemic isn't over, but he said the public health emergency was over. What are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, greater levels of circulating virus will affect different groups in the community to different extents, won't they?
1: Well, the, the emergency is over. He's right in that front. And the and the principal committee that he belongs to, the, the main health body in Australia, um, uh, say that. But... You know, that doesn't mean it's nothing. There is still a crisis. Um, you know, literally millions of people getting infected every wave, three waves a year, 10,000-plus deaths, um, so-called excess deaths that we face, 50,000, 100,000 cases of long COVID in this wave alone. And that's a crisis. It's not an emergency, but it's a crisis that has to be felt. And, of course, um, you know, the strategy at the moment, is why I say we're in a sort of a no-man's land, this... um. Hybrid immunity strategy, we call it, which says basically says it's okay for most people in the community to get infected, kids and healthy adults. Um, in fact, it's desirable because it'll build up immunity on top of our already, uh, you know, existing vaccine immunity. And in the meantime, we'll protect the most vulnerable people. Um, and everyone wants to protect the most vulnerable people. the The problem is, who are they? Um, we know people in aged care facilities are vulnerable. You know, identifying who's most vulnerable of acute disease is actually quite hard. Identifying who's most vulnerable from long COVID, for long COVID is impossible. So the, the strategy is, is um, flawed, and I think that's, you know, gradually getting some recognition. That peak committee that I mentioned, the AHPPC, has kind of changed their tune. They've got a good report out that says we have to prevent infection, we have to prevent transmission. That's quite a different message. But we're still set in our infection is okay, um, hybrid immunity is good, except in vulnerable people mindset, which means we're too casual, and uh, and hence we're still going to get these waves.
0: And the focus in Australia is on vaccination now. There's a new boost available in other countries, which targets the latest strain, the XBB. It's not currently available here, though a target met last week to consider it. Is it worth waiting for the newer vaccine, Brendan, or should we take what's available now?
1: Uh, from from my perspective, I would take what's available now, um, and you know, I know that's a big call. Not everyone will will agree with that. The new vaccine won't be in Australia until um, mid December, and as as I understand it, i understand corrected, but mid December, the wave is happening right now. Um, the existing vaccines will offer some protection against uh, against the most severe forms of disease. They're not the only thing we should do, of course, and we can come to that. But um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait. There's just so much virus around now. Uh, it's very important to have you know the best protection you can, and you know vaccines are the are the primary base of that. That's the correct strategy. I mean, I wish we had the updated vaccines already. We don't. Um, so, but I wouldn't wait. No.
0: We're speaking with. Professor Brendan Crabb, who's the Director and CEO of the Burnett Institute, about this latest wave of COVID. We haven't talked about COVID on Life Matters for quite some time, which has been a relief, I have to say, but that doesn't (laughs) mean it's not there. And as we're hearing, you know, it can affect uh, different groups very, very differently and it's probably a good time to sit back and take stock of how we as a a society are going to approach it, uh, particularly as this wave crests just before Christmas. Brendan, aged care facilities around the country are dealing with outbreaks again there was one in the Territory recently, and a recent report in The Australian claimed that more than half of aged care residents were no longer fully immunised. Is this because new boosters aren't being rolled out quickly enough, or are there bigger systemic issues here?
1: There are bigger systemic issues. I think the attitude to vaccination of authorities is, is good. Um, but aged care uh, residents, but also aged care workers who are members of the community, are um, are reflective of the of the community, and the, we have a, a pretty casual attitude to COVID, and that's flowing through, um, including into into aged care facilities. You know, the, the the problem we have is, on the one hand, we have a public message um, that says COVID is no longer an issue; it's over. Um, yeah, you know, I would say it's the biggest public health crisis in Australia by far. but, but of course, that's not the public message. And on the other hand, authorities say we really want you to get vaccinated because it's such an important issue. Um, pretty hard to work out what what to do there. Um, fact of the matter is, we are incredibly under-vaccinated. That's a bigger problem for us than not having the latest version of the vaccine. Um, and we've got to we've got to correct that. And we also have to, you know, say that that's that's just one part of the layered protections we need to put in place.
0: Lots of texts weighing in on this, Brendan. One says, I'm undertaking IVF. If I get COVID, I have to delay the process. At my age, any delay is significant. I wear a mask, but I am worried about this wave. Another says, my local supermarket has today pulled out its cashier protective barriers. No figures on the spread of the virus can even be found online. Air quality in public venues and shops is still not an issue for governments, in spite of all scientific evidence of its importance. And now we're in the midst of another wave. What is going on in health departments and government? in this country. We've talked about vaccination, Brendan. Let's have a look at at how things are handled in healthcare settings because, you know, there is a a lack of data around COVID infections and death, but the Saturday paper reports that Victorian government figures show that 10% of the people who contracted COVID in hospitals died from it. Should we be handling things differently in hospitals at least?
1: Well, again, it's a bit like aged care facilities. They are an extension of the community. Um, It's to this point that you can't bubble wrap um, various, air, you know, places of, of extra vulnerability. You have to lower COVID in general. Um, but of course, in healthcare facilities and in aged care facilities, the the barrier protections, the level of protection can be higher. Um, I think, you know, wearing a, a well-fitted N95 P2 mask in a healthcare facility or an aged care facility and having to do that is, uh, as my colleague calls it, a, a no brainer. It just should be an, an inherent part of infection control. And along with that, as many healthcare facilities are doing, but um, it's not universal, you mentioned clean air before, um, is, is having a clean air strategy, which means monitoring the airflow. Some mechanical ventilation systems are good, some are not good, um, making sure that uh, Everyone in the facility has access to to um, air that's either well ventilated from the outside or purified um, from the inside through a HEPA filter. Because clean air is really one of only the three things we can do. Um, get vaccinated, breathe clean air, and test and act on that test. There is nothing else really you can do for COVID at the moment, in the future there will be. Um, But for the moment, that's it. And so breathing clean air, as you mentioned, is is really the revolution that healthcare facilities and all of us, even in our homes, um, have to take seriously.
0: So vaccination, testing, clean air, uh, isolating, is is that something you'd recommend for people in higher risk categories?
1: Well, basically, once you test, you can act on that test.
0: Not if you've got it, though. I mean, I'm wondering about just preventative isolating.
1: Oh, isolating to not get it in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, if if you're vulnerable, but isn't that a horrible way to live? So we're four years in. In four years' time, you and I will probably be talking and COVID will still be there, and poor old vulnerable people will have isolated for that long. We cannot have that as a strategy. Um, we have to all do the heavy lifting for everyone in our community Um, and also not assume that we ourselves are not vulnerable. We don't know. We don't know whether it's going to be... Any of us to get long COVID on our second or third infection, or some acute disease, we know that um, reinfection is common. We know that you can, you know, you're increasing your risk of of those things each each infection. So yes, you can isolate if you're vulnerable. I would, I would say that that's a that's an indictment on our COVID strategy that that's even being considered. Um, we want everyone to participate in society. We need lower levels for that. Um, but for those who are really worried, a well-fitted N95 mask or, or equivalent, um, well-ventilated spaces, keep up to date with your vaccinations. And having those around you test frequently if you're vulnerable, you know, you're not going to get COVID if those around you don't have it. Uh, so so that's why one of the reasons why testing is so important.
0: Lots of texts filtering in about this as we speak to uh, Professor Brendan Crabb, who's the Director and CEO of the Burnett Institute. Regarding COVID, we can now be vaccinated every six months continually, says Cody. I've had five about the every six month thing. I only found that out yesterday. True. I've been looking that up, Cody. Hadn't hadn't worked it out. Another says people's experience of mild symptoms means they don't compute the serious longer term damage done by infection, especially reinfection. And I think more and more of us are starting to see amongst our friends and family, the effects that COVID can have over months and months and months. Yeah. And uh, I I just noticed some really interesting different language about mask wearing, Brendan, just as we near the end of our time together. Western Australia has reintroduced mandatory mask wearing in certain medical settings. Victoria has urged uh, people generally in the capital Melbourne to wear masks, but not required it. And in New South Wales, there's a requirement to wear them in high risk settings. What's your perspective on when and where masking is appropriate?
1: Just to, I mean masks having a mask handy is a very important part of everybody's armory kids and adults Um, remember there's only three things you can do up to date with your vaccinations that's in my view the six month uh, thing Uh, breathe clean air and get tested and act on that test which might be getting treated by the way but breathe clean air means if you're in a space with lots of other people and you don't know the quality of that air you know, you, you don't have a CO2 monitor that I carry around as a surrogate measure. If you're worried about the quality of that air, you need to wear a mask. So, you know, that's broadly speaking uh, when you would put it on and that's kind of a common sense uh, thing. Um, you might have, you know, a Christmas function where you say, well, I really don't want to wear a mask. So have people test before they come. Obviously don't come if if, if they're positive and be in a well-ventilated space and then... You know, you can get away without wearing a mask, in, in my view, for most people, um, unless you're, you know, really concerned about um, your underlying health. So masks is one of the very few things we can do at the moment in the absence of sort of magic bullet vaccines um, to to protect ourselves from COVID and, very importantly, protect other people from covid mm. So we're yep. craving
0: not, not to do it. Yep, and lobbying for cleaner air. Brendan, it's always very, very interesting speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Life Matters no, today. you're
1: welcome. Thanks for having me, Harry.
0: Professor Brendan Crabb, the Director and CEO of the Burnett Institute. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC
1: Listen app.